Welcome to the Finance Cafe, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that is changing the narrative around finance, business, and women. Your hosts are Shannon Peston, former banker, and Shauna Frederick, CFO on the go. They are the founders of the Finance Cafe and creators of the online business financial literacy program designed specifically for women entrepreneurs. As women entrepreneurs themselves with strong finance backgrounds, they have an understanding of the unique challenges and opportunities that women in business face. The conversations you will hear each week from diverse women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them will not only educate, but inspire. At the Finance Cafe, we support women entrepreneurs just like you to feel capable, confident, and connected, not just to your business and finances, but to each other. Thanks to the support of the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, part of the Government of Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy that aims to increase women entrepreneurs' access to financing, talent, networks, and expertise, we are thrilled to bring you Season 2 of the Finance Cafe Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe Podcast. Today, we're talking about building a sustainable not-for-profit. And like any organizations, nonprofits also must weather financial storms, social storms, COVID storms. But what's interesting is that in an era of growing community needs, and we know that our community's needs are growing, whether it's on social impact or gender impact, Government budgets are also reducing, corporate budgets are also reducing, and so nonprofits are actually being asked to do even more with less. So how does a nonprofit become sustainable and how can it become an independent organization? These are the questions I'm going to be sitting down and talking to my friend and colleague Kylie Woods, who's the founder of Chic Geek, to learn about her journey of starting and growing one of Canada's most well-known and beloved organizations for advancing Women in Tech. Kylie, welcome. I'm so excited to have you with me. Shannon, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And I want to just talk about you are a passionate social entrepreneur who believes in leading through listing and vulnerability. I love the values that come with you. So you are the founder of Chic Geek, a not-for-profit committed to building gender diversity in technology. And you've got career pathing initiatives. You're able to help intermediate women in technology advance greater career visibility and invest in their strategic professional networks. I love everything that you stand for. And so does everyone else, apparently, because you were named one of the top 40 under 40 by Avenue Magazine. You've been profiled in Metro News as one of Calgary's heroes. And you've been recognized as a need to know in Alberta Venture and profiled by universities like Mount Royal University and their Summit Magazine on their feature in Women in STEM. You've represented Alberta in prestigious international leadership programs, which are hosted by the U.S. Department of State. And you've been a voice for women in STEM on an international stage. And I also know there's more to you than just the professional side. You're also a proud mom of identical twins, uh, Lily and May. And you also bring the lessons learned through your journey as a social entrepreneur into your role as a parent. There's so much about you that I can't wait to dive into, but 
that's your bio that I just read, but let's just talk about who is Kylie? Who are you? What do you do? And what gives you the motivation every morning to get up and keep going? Yeah, those are big questions, Shannon. I love it. A little bit more about me. I, I'm an A-type personality. I bring 110% to everything I do, whether it is playing badminton, making dinner, or showing up at Chic Geek. The flip side is that I am a recovering perfectionist and I am constantly struggling with this kind of need to be perfect. And that will come out in some of the later conversation, I think, because it also affects the way that I view financials and deal with money. But I, you know, I find my flow state when I'm looking for efficiencies. I love using data to tell stories. And I would say one of my biggest strengths is putting ideas into action. I started Sheet Geek because I am compelled to solve this problem around not enough women in tech. And through Sheet Geek, we have a very unique way of approaching that problem by focusing on mid-career women, retention, and that is what drives me every day to show up and keep working really hard. Well, you mentioned that there's this massive gap from a gender lens in technology. What might some of those numbers be like? What is the gap specifically? We often hear about it, but help me understand what, what are some of those key gaps that are driving the work that you're doing? Yeah. So we know that women represent anywhere from, you know, 19 to 25% of technology roles. And when we think about how quickly tech is growing, it is embedded into every industry. The fact that women's voices are not equally represented is a really big flag for me because it means that we are building technology in a way that is not inclusive. And so for us to get women building more tech, is a really big driver of Chic Geek. We also know that the women we do have in technology roles are leaving at twice the rate of their male counterparts. And of those women who leave, half of them are just, they're gone altogether. They're never coming back. And that talent is completely lost. And so it's this dual problem of we're not getting enough women interested in these kinds of roles and technology and the women we do have are leaving. So let's talk about Chic Geek. I mean, you set it up as a not-for-profit. What considerations, like what drove a lot of the way that you created Chic Geek? I wish I had a good answer to this question, but it probably wasn't as thoughtful as it could have been. And this comes back to my need to solve a problem that I saw and also kind of that action orientedness was like, let's just put it out there. Let's get moving. Let's try it and iterate. And so Chic Geek actually operated for about a year, just over a year, not being registered as anything. We were just trying things out. And then we did register as a nonprofit. And it was kind of the default, to be honest. It was like, well, I don't think that we, we can make any money here. How could we access some funding? I think a nonprofit is probably the way to go. So it, it wasn't a super thoughtful process, but that's largely because it was built as such a community initiative that when it started, there was no intention to hire staff, to be paying people, to grow beyond Calgary. And those things changed over time. So because we took such an iterative approach to building Chic Geek, we didn't have that big vision from the get-go. And so that has grown with us as an organization, but it's, it has meant that we have also changed as we have grown. So at what point did you realize, wow, we actually have a model here that we're ready to take it to the next step? Like, what did that look like for you? Oh, there's been a few points in time in the Chic Geek journey where we have looked at that and been like, mm, we need to monetize specifically. We are 10 years into our operations and we are going through that again. So we are shifting from 
being predominantly grant funded, um, which is tough because grant cycles can be a really difficult way to grow sustainably. We're trying to move to self-generated revenue. And that is a process that is difficult. It's scary. And we, we don't know if it's going to be successful. She Geek started very lean and scrappy. It was $100, which was the cost of our domain name and our hosting, and bootstrapped the rest of the way. I think our operating budget in the first year was less than $5,000. And like that is how we started to build our community. So we are very good at doing a lot with very little. But then when it comes to actually making a spend and growing, growing strategically, I think that's where we are struggling a little bit as an organization. I think it's always hard because, you know, as, as nonprofits, our mandate changes, the funding cycles change, the funding availability changes, corporate partners. I mean, even we take a look at going through a pandemic and people were spending less money and what was going to happen to the, you know, community, these are, your organization is so important. And so are many of the not-for-profits because they really do advance um, our society. And so, I mean, it's, it, it's always going to be a struggle, but what have you learned about that struggle? I mean, you've been in this now for 10 years. And so you've kind of, I'm assuming you've kind of been here before. And so these moments that kind of feel like it's a struggle, like, do we have payroll? Are we going to get into the next funding cycle? What is that? Like, there's always that tension, I guess, for you, but 10 years, like, what have you learned about that ride? That it is an emotional one. You know, we think about money and financials, like, they're just numbers. They should tell a story. We can make informed and rational decisions, but there is so much emotion wrapped up into the financials, both from a personal perspective of, can I pay myself? But this next step with Chic Geek now that we have a, a paid team is, how can I pay my staff? And that's a really big emotional weight of, I've, I've assembled an amazing team and I want to keep them together and keep them engaged with Chic Geek. And it would be heartbreaking if by next year it was like, well, sorry, we don't have funding and we can't pay any staff. And it really is a setback to the organization and the progress we're making as well. You mentioned a really important word and, I, and that word is emotional. And I wanna maybe just take a moment to sit in what the emotional side of money actually looks like. Because you know, for Shauna and I, we often talk about the importance of our money mindset, where it comes from, the narratives that we have about money and how that shapes our perspectives as entrepreneurs how it shapes the decisions that we make in our companies. So if you were to think about your money mindset, your lived experience, how do you think that that shapes or how is that showing up in the way that you, and you're also growing through the company, so your money mindset's also probably evolved as well, but how, how is your money mindset driving the way you make decisions, financial decisions in, in the company? I love the concept of the money mindset, and I wish that it was something I had spent some time 10 years ago, being able to articulate for myself because it has informed a lot of how I have built and raised money at Chic Geek. So a little bit of backstory, Shannon, I'm Chinese Canadian. My dad is a first generation immigrant. My mom was born here in Canada, but my dad's relationship with money influenced a lot of how I saw it growing up. He's the kind of guy who like, he's a saver wherever he can save money. If he can do a lot with very little, he will it is very uncomfortable for him to spend money, to know what he wants to be able to buy, even to, to set big dreams for himself now that he's in retirement. Like, what is he going to do with his money? He does it. He still doesn't know. <laughs> and so, you know, that has been a pretty informative perspective on my own money mindset. And I can see it playing out at Chic Geek where maybe our sponsorships are really low and 
I feel uncomfortable asking for more because I'm just going to cover like the bare minimum of what we need in order to operate instead of looking at growth. And so if I could articulate what is my money mindset, it would help me identify what are strengths and weaknesses, and then know how to fill those gaps a little bit better. I do feel sometimes like I'm navigating a bit blind and having more insight to myself would help me understand what I need in other team members or other guidance to help get to the next stage. Let's talk about fundraising for a moment because fundraising obviously is super critical to the future of any nonprofit. What strategies have you taken to raise the funds that you need to date? So if you were to give some advice to someone who was starting, like maybe like who was where you were 10 years ago to where you are today, what advice would you have around fundraising? Oh, this is an interesting one. So there's fundraising with um, companies. So corporate sponsorships, partnerships, and then there's individual fundraising with donors. And then there's grants, I would say. So Geek has focused on grant funding and corporate sponsorships. We almost do nothing in the individual donor space. And part of this might come back to that personal money mindset conversation we were just having around, it is exceptionally uncomfortable for me to go out and ask people for money. It is like, I can feel it like giving me these kind of creepy crawlies. (laughs) And so going out to a community and asking, will you just donate to Chic Geek? has been something that I have avoided. And it might be an area that is untapped for us, to be honest. Instead, over the years, we have focused on building corporate partnerships and grant relationships. And that has been quite successful for us. We are very strategic in the grants that we go after. We do a lot of analysis around, is this going to be a right fit? And what are our chances of being successful in this grant? Because The grant applications can be very time consuming, anywhere from 20 to 80 hours or more per application. And then that doesn't even include the reporting and that needs to happen throughout and at the end and the the budget management throughout the process as well. So being strategic in those grants you're going after. And then the corporate partnership side, that does take years to build. It starts out small, but what we have found is that the relationships we build with our partners tend to come back year over year. And often they will grow depending on what kinds of asks we're making. But being able to align money with impact has been most successful for Sheet Geek. That's why as we've kind of gotten older um, in our organizational stage, it's been easier to close corporate partners. We're a lot clearer on the impact that we can make with that money. Whereas in the beginning, it was we had a lot of question marks, we were doing a lot of experimenting, and and we didn't really know. So I guess the advice there is in fundraising, be very focused on the impact for dollar. If you can demonstrate that, then success is a lot easier. So what advice specifically around grants? Like what's your experience been? So for me, I always start with a spreadsheet because it's important to track what grants are available. So you're not going to know all at one time what grants are available. And I, as I find new grants, I'm putting them into my spreadsheet. They're ones that I can kind of come back to and check in on to see if they're open. So that's one, just knowing what's available, start to track. That can be built over years. The second piece is having a clear understanding of what your organization is capable of. So I know that Chic Geek is... We're a team of five right now, and we're all fractional. And so our capacity is very limited, and we need to be very targeted in how we're spending our time. 
it is harder for an organization of our size and stage to apply for multi-year federal grants because we're competing against national organizations with a lot more resources to implement and report on those grants and to apply for them. So we have tended to target local or provincial grants for the stage of our organization. So using that as one of the success filters can be really helpful, like being really honest about what your, your capabilities are. We have not used a grant writer at SheetGeek. That is part of my role as ED. It helps that I've got a comms and writing background. So that does come a little bit more naturally. But for folks who maybe don't have that background, there are lots of resources out there and partnerships that you can kind of leverage to apply for grants. I think often when folks are looking at starting a nonprofit, like funding and money and grants are the first thing they ask about. I'm going to bring it back though, because, you know, one of the great things about Chic Geek and how we started was that it was an iterative experiment and we did a lot with very little. And if there are things you can do without having to ask for money, do those first, find your own, build your own traction, test things, figure out what works and then take that information into a grant application. So unlike a private enterprise, you have different stakeholders that you need to consider as you are building your plans and even you're thinking about your fundraising. So who makes up your stakeholder group as a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. So we've got any grant funders, uh, we've got corporate partners who are you know, either donating or through sponsorships. Uh, we've got our board, who is kind of our governance and oversight, our staff, um, who are our operating team and then our community um, and community partners. So one of my great fears in starting Sheet Geek and being a grant funded organization is mission drift that can sometimes happen in pursuit of funding. So when you're you know, doing a grant application, the funder has certain requirements of what they're looking for and outcomes they wanna see that can make your application look better and, and ultimately be successful. And so my fear was always that there was a possibility that Chic Geek would chase money instead of build something that is really needed in the community and really for our community. So when you talk about revenue generating models, because you think about, okay, so if you're trying to become a sustainable organization or, you know, an independent, I guess, organization as well, revenue models become really important. So where do you get your inspiration from when you think about, okay, let's, let's, let's figure out new ways of bringing money in. Let's be less, less dependent on grants or less dependent on corporate sponsors. Like where does that inspiration come from? Yeah. In my perfect world, pulling a lot from startups, I'm looking at software companies as kind of a great example of how I would like to build revenue model for SheetGeek. That really excites me. I love, you know, thinking about impact, uh, social impact as a product that we can scale and the user experience behind that. Um, I think there is a lot of just sparks that happen when you cross pollinate from different areas. And so if we can operate like that, that would be amazing. We are rolling out a subscription to our career pathing program to test that out and see if it's going to be possible but we haven't launched yet, so I don't know the answer to it. If we could be, you know, 90% self-funded through sales of our products and services, that would be ideal. It means that any corporate partnerships or grant funding would be the cherry on top that would help us go that extra mile, but we would have the stability and confidence to know that like every year, this is what our budgets are gonna look like. We can pay our staff and we can build. That is where I want to get to with Sheet Geek. 
I have no doubt knowing you that that's exactly where you're going to get to, but I think you've really hit on, you know, something important, like as you're building, we're so reliant on the grants in the, in the beginning, because we don't have that cash flow. You mentioned you bootstrapped Geek for the first few years. And so it takes time to build, especially if you're relying on grants, what are you most proud of in the last 10 years and what decisions did you make really helped get you to, to this point? Thank you, Shannon. Um, I think one really proud moment was in actually becoming an employee at Sheet Geek. So our first paid staff, me, because Alberta has the highest number of nonprofits per capita. And the majority of those nonprofits have no staff. They're entirely volunteer run. And so to be able to kind of move past that first big hurdle was a really big win. I think the fact that we have been operating for longer than five years is also a really great win. It speaks to the energy in our community and some of that kind of grit and determination of the folks who have really rolled up their sleeves and put their time and energy into Chic Geek from the volunteers to the board to kind of keep this going because most businesses don't last beyond five years as we know. Mm-hmm. I think the other one that I'm really proud of is how we have come out of COVID. COVID was a curveball for so many and the energy required to move past that change in a way that is healthy and sustainable and still true to how we started has been difficult. Sometimes we just run out of energy to change and adapt. And that's often where we see things folding. And so for Chic Geek to come out as a digital first organization, to be able to pay staff with a new program, career pathing that we want to scale across the country is exciting. And I'm really excited for the next steps of that program. I also love that you talked about, we, we have so much mental energy, we can become mentally depleted. And I think this is especially true for people who are running nonprofits, because there's also a lot of emotional labor that goes into the work that you're doing because you are so passionate about the cause and the mission that you're on. So if there's one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known then about the financial management of a nonprofit, what would that be? Get really good at budgeting. I'm still learning budgeting specifically around forecasting, which is tough just given our circumstances. But my perfectionist mindset has often meant that I need to know the budgets down to the cents. Like Mm -hmm. that's how granular I'm getting. And that can be a really big barrier to even start. So just to take a step back and realize that budgets are fluid, they're flexible, they're more of an idea than they are something set in stone, I think would be really valuable to my younger self. Where do you turn to for financial advice? I need a lot of financial advice, Shannon. Um, So I, I reach out to a lot of people. Usually it's the board they're a great resource for me because they, we've got our treasurer with a lot of financial acumen, our bookkeeping team, but then also members of our community. So I've got a great peer group of other nonprofit leaders that I will go to to ask questions about some of those emotional challenges or how they're they're doing their financial processes. And then also just other experts. So other accounting friends, my husband actually has a background in accounting, other folks who have been in similar positions as me in terms of looking for funding or who have experience in areas that I don't. I think one thing coming back to the emotional piece around finances is that I am learning to be really vulnerable about areas that I don't know and share them while I am in it because People are so willing to share and lend help, open up their networks. It is so hard and uncomfortable to be vulnerable in the times when you don't know something, but that is the best time to ask. Oh, I love that advice because I think that 
I'm with you on that page that it's, we need to be vulnerable and we need to be able to ask for help. And my experience is everyone has always opened their doors when I said I have needed help in something. So not being scared to ask for it. So 10 years ago, Kylie starts up, she grows up through uh, Chic Geek, as you've mentioned, you will continue to grow. Tell me if you were to look ahead to the future, what does Chic Geek look like for you? And where's, where's Kylie? Chic Geek is known for being the organization that keeps women in technology by working directly with women, but also through some really great corporate partnerships and starting to change the, the workplace for women in tech. Where am I personally? I'm pretty happy where I am right now. Maybe I am starting to teach the girls more about what it is to run a nonprofit and to be in tech. And they are volunteering along with me at Shiki. That would be amazing. <laughs> I think that would be pretty amazing too. So if you're a corporate partner out there, maybe you're an individual donor, maybe you're even part of our government network and listening to the great work that Kylie and Shiki are doing, where can people find you, Kylie? And uh, how can they get in touch with you for looking at donations and other partnerships? Yeah, you can find us at thechicgeek.ca. And if you're a woman in tech, we would love to have you involved with our career pathing program, either as a mentee or somebody who is guiding other women in technology and giving back to the ecosystem. If you're a company who wants to support diversity in tech, check out the company's page on our website, reach out. We would love to start a conversation. Kylie, thank you so much for your time. I wish you continued success. I can't wait to see what your next your next 10 years looks like. So congratulations on 10. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your vulnerability, your experiences, your wisdom around what it takes to run a nonprofit. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Thanks for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. Want to dig deeper? As a valued listener, we'd love to offer you an exclusive discount to our financial literacy program. Use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off. Visit thefinancecafe.ca to join or to take our free financial literacy quiz. We would be so grateful if you could show some love for your favorite financial podcast. Just like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening from and help other listeners like you connect with us. See you again next week on the Finance Cafe podcast.